I'm RD. I don't use my real name. Oh, uh-oh, okay. Are you in witness protection? So I'll call you RD from now. What happens next, RD? <laughs> well, Sai. <laughs> What's up, Internet? You're listening to the 22nd episode of the Series 6 Podcast, where we review each and every episode of Adventures of the Galaxy Rangers! We are your hosts. I'm RD. I'm Jay. And I'm Cy Voris. Get ready to engage your hyperdrives. This time around, we'll be reviewing episode 24, titled Renegade Rangers. This is the review half, part two of the two-part Cy Voris experience. Are you guys ready to make people in bathing suits empty their pockets? What? I don't know what that means, but I'm always for it. That sounds like a good idea. The very first heist. I know exactly what you're talking about. Now I get it. It's an actual Renegade Rangers reference. I yes. get it. Oh, get out. That's the right. Theme, That's right. We're none other than our heroic old man from Andor and Zozo shockingly rob a bank. Oh, wait, no, that's the first part. Let's get into it. That's spoilers within the episode. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm sorry. Look, you started this with the robbing people in bathing suits. Yeah, I know. That's supposed to be a puzzling question. I think it was just supposed to be a bunch of rich people on, like, a pleasure ship or something. And then somehow it ended up they were all in bathing suits. You're right. It's hilarious. Empty your pockets and you're in a bathing suit. Well, you know, sometimes there's a disconnect between the writing and the uh, animation. What can I tell you? So this is Renegade Rangers, and it's starting now. This episode aired on September 29th, 1986. And it was written by a damn legend. It starts off in a bank on some far-off planet. So the next two guys in line at the bank are wearing ponchos and sombreros. The teller asks how he can help them, and Zozo replies, Give us all your money. (laughs) (laughs) It's Zozo, and he's sporting Nacho Libre's mustache. (laughs) Yes. And his accent. He's the best. What does Zozo know about a Mexican accent in the future? (laughs) Look, it's Galaxy Rangers, man. Again, there's so many different tones and worlds and crazy stuff in that show. We could See, that's the good thing. You can get away with anything on Galaxy Rangers. Every episode is different from the one behind it. And you know, they were still based on Earth. Yes. Beta Mountain was still on Earth. So Zozo could have easily watched either old... uh, Sergio Leone movies, or just gone to Mexico. So, you know, what can I tell you? Yeah, true story. I mean, these days, that might seem problematic. But uh, little known fact, Zozo's last name is Sanchez. So it's a watch. (laughs) (laughs) So you're right. Oh, my God. I see. I was not being politically incorrect. I actually figured out. There you go. Zozo Sanchez. I love it. Waldo is the second bandito, and he co-signs Zozo's demand. The teller looks at them for a beat and bursts out laughing. Everybody. Next thing you know, the entire bank is laughing at the two peaceful aliens. <clears throat> what my little friend means to say is that this is a stick-up. A stick-up? Everybody, put up your hands. This is a stick-up. <laughs> <laughs> Zozo signals Waldo, who pulls a BFG out from under his poncho. And passes it down to his little buddy. The teller sees Zozo point the business end in his direction and bolts, <laughs> leaving a thin yellow streak in his wake. 
So Zozo pulls the trigger and launches a missile at point-blank range. <laughs> Miraculously, he and Waldo are not blown to bits. Which is more than I could say for the bank counter and the safe behind it. You having a good time? It's oh, classic. Man. It's classic. I'm laughing at it badly, man. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Zozo then turns the BFG on the witnesses while Waldo fills a potato sack with the safe's contents. Gold coins, it looks like. I heard a rumor that this is the bank that provides all the gold coins in the Mario games. <laughs> Cryptocurrency. They got that sweet contract. It was a handshake deal with Larry Nintendo himself. There you go. Anyway, they really play up the banditos thing as they run away yelling, Arriba! <laughs> That's ridiculous, dude. It's jumping around like you got any sits. Cut to a small ship docking with a dreidel-shaped space station. The inhabitants board the station. And it's none other than Doc and Goose sporting their Zangwill disguises. You know what's weird? I don't think I've ever seen an actual Zangwill on the show. No. I'd like to do a side-by-side -side comparison. Like, uh, how good are the Rangers disguises? <laughs> That's funny. I have no clue. I think that was more like, sometimes, I, mm -hmm. I, you know, I don't have it in front of me. You guys have the original script. I don't know if I specified that they were disguised in that way. I do not have the script. I don't mean you have it in front of you. You had it on your website. Oh, you mean betamountain.org. That's right by Bob's. But I'm saying, I wonder, I don't remember if I mentioned that specifically because that's like a type of thing Robert Mandel would go through and say, oh, let's make him disguised as Zangle. Like he would like, if you hadn't done it, he would specify, like he would use whatever concepts that he had created. or He would like try to jam everything into the episode, so... Also, theoretically, if we had designed those characters at some point, it meant that that was one less thing to have to design. Okay. That's why those, well, you're coming up on it. Those two, the the goofy, uh, the two-headed guy, who are the two-headed guys? I don't remember uh, their names. I don't, I don't know if they even mentioned their names. Yeah, no, they do, because they're from another episode. That's like an example oh. of like, what was some goofy character we can put in to have uh, the Rangers rot have Goose Rob. The Gilbert Godfrey twins. <laughs> the Screamers. Yeah, I love those guys. I don't know if you've listened to any uh, of our episodes, our previous episodes, but we have like a running thing going where if the episode does not name a character or an object or whatever right. that's unique to the show, I give it a name. Oh, okay. <laughs> Perfect. That sounds good to me. <laughs> so they approach a space ATM and a computerized female voice tells them to choose the transaction. Doc produces his flask and sticks one of his programs on the ATM. You hear the program say, This is a stick-up! And the ATM freaks out and calls for help. Now, security on this station takes the form of robot torsos with arms that extend specifically for strangulation and mechanical tentacles that sprout out from the walls. Yes. So yeah, this station is protected by hentai. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Good point. I totally put one of those stickers on the corner of my window. Yeah, that's the R-rated version of Galaxy Rangers. That's, <laughs> they made those for European market only. Yeah, we didn't know. <laughs> oh, I know. You guys, Neon and Leon. That's who those guys, Neon and Leon. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think they do talk to each other. They, they, I think they call each other by name in, the, in this episode. So, tell me about the flask. So... Where did the flask of design come from where he keeps all his programs? Oh, you mean Doc, where Doc has all his stuff? Yeah, the flask that he uses all the time. Yeah. Why is it a flask? I don't, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I was watching another episode, Super Troopers, and they get their genetically modifying Super Trooper drugs 
from what looks like a Pez dispenser. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and I was it's thinking, like a... it's like the flask. I was like, I don't know what's, why is this a Pez dispenser? It's so such a strange <laughs> choice. That's pretty brilliant, though. There's a lot of stuff that's obvious but subtle. That's a good joke, though. Did Mandel have flasks in, in the office? Not that I know of. I was wondering. Bob was a pretty straight-shooting guy. He seemed to be sort of a teetotaler. He wasn't a party animal, Bob. Remember, he was personally responsible for getting 65 episodes of this show out the door in 11 months, so he didn't have much time to party. (laughs) No time for games. Exactly. (laughs) That's a reason to drink, though. (laughs) So Gooseman is being choked out. He badges up and transforms into Silver Surfer Goose. Yeah, that was cool, right? Beautiful. Come on. (laughs) After making short work of the sexy security system, Gooseman helps Doc collect the jacked Mario coins as they spill from the ATM like a slot machine. All in a day's work, my Gooseman. A mere bag of shells, Doctor. What the? Mario coins in space. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. But but don't they also steal some, like, star stones or something also? Uh, in this episode, I don't think... Oh, they no, do. they steal them from Neon and Leon. Oh, this is interesting. I'm, gentlemen, I actually pulled up my original screenplay, my original oh, teleplay for this episode, with handwritten notes by the legendary Robert Mandel, creator of Galaxy Rangers. And originally, they were stealing from Neon and Leon. They were stealing Super Trooper juice. But Bob crossed it out, apparently, and put Star Stones. I don't know if it made it to the final audio because they never they don't mention star stones. But they steal something. They do. There's a visual though. We'll get to that though. I'll tell you what it is. It's kind of like a weird surprise. ATM slot machine. Okay. Meanwhile, aboard a tiny ship in an asteroid field, a two-headed alien breaks the paddleball record. Yes. <laughs> well, one of the heads breaks the record. The other head could not care less. He's more interested in the unconscious beauty floating in space that was just picked up by their sensors. They conclude that her ship was destroyed and that she's stranded. So they deploy their, quote, security system to snag her and pull her into the ship. Here we go, more hentai. <laughs> oh boy, says the thumb-headed alien as they fall over themselves on their way to the airlock. They're keen on ogling the pretty human female. Instead, they're greeted by a gun and an amazing set of eyebrows. <laughs> Zachary somehow made it into the airlock with Nico, the phony damsel. Adding insult to injury, Nico calls the lovelorn paddleballers suckers. Yes. Hiya, suckers. Ah! Hands up. This is a stick-up. Ah! Hand over your cargo. Zach tells them to hand over their cargo, which is apparently space paddles. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing score, eyebrows. <laughs> Good job. Ah, that's funny. Well, I think there's star stones there, but, you know, maybe they just like those uh, paddle balls. You never know. Those. Yeah. I love how Nico's finally got all angry and she's like, sup, sucker? Like, yeah, she's mean in this one. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard her sound mean. I know. Not even when she's angry. Is she ever angry? Uh, yeah. <laughs> she gets pretty angry in this episode. She does not like Daisy Omega. Oh, that's true. Oh, that's right. She's jealous of Daisy and Goose in this episode, I believe. Yes. Clearly. Cut to Tom Brokaw. <laughs> talking about the rash of robberies by the Renegade Rangers. Jump to, uh, jump to, ra- I do voice acting, by the way. <laughs> ah, there you go. Let me make, let me make a note of that. <laughs> Jump to Ranger 1 as the Rangers team and the Bandidos receive a call from Punkstash. He tells them that their victims have been placated and assured their belongings will be returned to them. Oh, man. 
Zozo Sanchez says he doesn't like being a bully. We have to tell him why you're calling him punk stash. Man. Oh, is that uh, that's Walsh? Yeah. Yeah, I'm mad at reason. Walsh because he threw the Rangers under the bus a couple episodes back. Here's a little known fact. Walsh was, I believe, originally supposed to be African-American. Okay. Oh, was he? I think it's one of those classic examples of somebody in Japan just made him a white guy. And then it was like too much of a pain to reanimate stuff. So they're like, all right, I guess Walsh is a white guy now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. With a very special mustache. Exactly, exactly. Anyhow, just a little little deep dive trivia for Galaxy Rangers fans. That's cool, man. I think I just found out some other trivia. Like, you remember that show Black Star from Filmation? Yes. That's another character that was supposed to be African American. I thought he was supposed to be Native American. No, no, no. Just recently, the writer said he was supposed to be African American, but because of something in the studio, they didn't want to do that. So they just... Let him be named Black Star. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It's too controversial. Not to be confused with uh, Sheriff Brave Star, which was right. Filmation's Galaxy Rangers ripoff. Galaxy Rangers no, actually no was in pre production, and I don't know if we aired first, but I know that Galaxy Rangers was, uh, was uh, well into production for months and months and months and months and months. When Filmation announced the Sheriff Brave Star. How does it sound like compared to uh, Saber Rider and the Starships, which was like a Japanese show? Oh, I don't know anything about that. I just know everybody was really uh, pissed off and bummed when they announced Filmation. Because Filmation was a more established company. Yeah. So we were sort of like, oh, great. They're ripping off our show and they're probably going to get all the toy deals and everything. But I mean, I don't think Brave Star was a big ass hit at least thank god but i i remember when they announced it because we were all like oh what they're like totally ripping off our show (laughs) guys planning to go over and take care of them right yeah (laughs) where we lived they would air them back to back oh that's hilarious that's hilarious it was all space Space cowboys cowboys that's hilarious yeah so i think brave star was last though it was galaxy rangers star sheriffs then brave star Mm -hmm. yeah that makes sense Let's see, where am I? We're now learning that the Rangers are actually pretending to be outlaws so they can go undercover and infiltrate the black hole gang. Yes. Zozo's complaining about being a bully. (laughs) And then he snaps Nico's bra strap and attempts to give Waldo a wet willy. (laughs) Still speaking in that Mexican accent. Handlebar's mustache. Punkstash says they'll have to continue being space douches until they can infiltrate the black hole gang. There you go. He directs them to the baddies hideout in the Burning Nebula and stresses the urgency by sharing intel that an attack on Beta is imminent. Do you have a location for their new hideout, sir? You're to head for the Burning Nebula. Now, I believe I originally called it the Burning Stone system because it was a bunch of flaming meteorites a ring of fireballs and bob changed it to burning nebula except he forgot to change it in the last somebody at the end of the episode i know refers to it as the burning stone oh oh so there is like a weird creative typo in the actual finished episode that i noticed when i watched it again I have to go back and watch it again too now yeah it's at the very end that they say so it's it's just weird 
somebody somebody dropped the ball. So yeah, they're going to the Bernie Nebula system, and uh, what happens next, man? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm RD. I don't use my real name. <laughs> oh, uh oh. Okay. No worries. Are you in witness protection? I think I'll just, I'll call you RD from now. I'm just weird like that. See, I'm getting with the program. I'm getting the gist of this show now. So, what happens next, RD? <laughs> well, Sai. <laughs> Once Ranger One comes out of hyperspace, <laughs> uh, once Ranger One comes out of hyperspace, we're treated to the unique CGI snippet found in each episode. Yeah. As Nico drops burning Nebula fun facts. Long story short, it's really hot, and there's a flaming asteroid field. Oh, those CGI, the computer—that was a big selling point back in the '80s. That was a big yes. cool factor of the show. Was that we had all that computer graphics stuff? No other show had it. That's true. And that guy David Gregg, who I think has is listed as animation director, that was his background. He was an early computer animation guy. Cool. Get out. I don't know what they credited. He's got a big credit after Robert Mandel, like animation director or animation producer or something. Really, what he was was a computer animation guy who was in charge of putting all that stuff in the show. Um, and I wow. think that was a big selling point. So he became a sort of partners. He was like the number two guy. Like Robert Mandel was the number one guy in charge of all the scripts and sort of the showrunner. And then David Gregg was like the number two guy. So when you would go in and get your boards approved, David would usually be in there with uh, Robert. But David's expertise was really the computer animation. That was his thing. It is awesome. So they're surrounded by this flaming asteroid field. Zach orders nobody in particular to activate shields. So <laughs> they all kind of look at each other, and then they look at the shields button, which is inches from Zach's hand. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so no shields then, I guess. Ranger 1 is freeballing it. <laughs> and Doc makes some comment about halfway through the asteroid field they're hit with a tractor beam it was at this point that I realized that Gooseman is wearing his black outfit uh, is this the first time we see this outfit Jay? yeah I think yeah. it is right? you know I have to comment on something else too that's weird I find really strange there was the airing order of the episodes which I know that they front loaded a lot of kid friendly episodes after the pilot because they wanted, they were trying to court the toy companies the whole time. And the uh, broadcasters, the syndicated places, they wanted as many kid-friendly episodes up front. But I know then Bob said something about the DVDs were going to be like an original episode order. But I don't think that's true. Because I got to tell you guys, I wrote Rusty and the Boys before Renegade Rangers. Uh, And... The only thing I can think, I don't know why this episode ended up so early in the run. The only thing I could think is maybe it got finished in post quicker because you asked about Goose's black outfit. Galaxy Stranger was done way before this episode. So we already knew that Goose had a black outfit from Galaxy Stranger, um, which, if I'm not mistaken doesn't show up until, like, episode 48 or something. Yeah, that's right. The only thing I can think is either, A, this episode ran early because uh, it just, for some reason, got finished sooner, 
Uh, or B, I'll give myself a compliment and say that it turned out to be a pretty good episode and everybody loved Daisy Omega, so they wanted to jam this one in earlier in the run. But um, I was shocked when I went back to watch the DVDs that this was such an early episode. This is on volume one, I think. And I was like, damn, this was way farther in the run in terms of production than when they actually uh, aired the episode. So just a long answer to your question. This may be the first time we saw Goose in his black outfit on the show when it was aired, but I know that the black outfit had already been established earlier. Okay. Pretty cool. Pretty cool trivia. I have a question. It's about an episode that you didn't do. Shaky, do you know who wrote that? Uh, it hasn't been updated on a Wikipedia page or anything. Um, no, we checked the Wikipedia and it says TBA. So like throughout the whole episode, we did that episode already throughout the whole thing. I just said that, yeah, it was written by Tony Braxton's attorney. <laughs> Shaky was the one with a, it was like a earthquake or something. Did, did it have the miner in it? Uh, one of those. Yeah, it did. It had the prospector. Yeah. Roy space Coke. <laughs> yeah, I you know Roy and the Bro. Oh, that was back to back with the axe. Uh, you know, I don't know. I would guess if since Dan Fiorella wrote the axe, which I think was the we had him on episode sixteen. He did not write that episode. He didn't write the axe. He wrote the axe, but he did not write Shaky. Oh, okay. He wrote Boomtown, which is like a similar episode. No, I was going to gonna say he was doing all the old Prospector episodes. Yes. I do not know. Boy, I don't have a lot of those old scripts. I'd have to dig. Yeah, I have no clue. Is that the last of the unknown episodes? Shaky? Uh, I think so. It's the only one that said TBA. Maybe nobody wants to take credit for it, you guys. (laughs) I don't see why not. It was a good episode. It was fun. It was. I would say, I don't remember. Is it any good? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. We had great fun poking at it. Look. Even bad episodes, we have fun doing them because, like, oh my you know, we crack jokes. There's more to laugh at. <laughs> oh, my episode. God. Space Moby. Some of these episodes I haven't thought about in forever. Some of them are just great titles. I love The Magnificent Kiwi. That's a hilarious. That's a great title. Yeah, I don't remember who wrote Shaky. If Dan Fiorella didn't write it, then I have no clue. It's funny. Okay. Um, I got to find my place again. Oh, <laughs> R.D. has to go back. R.D., you've got a script. Come on, you should be ahead of the game here. Oh, there we are. Yeah. Put my post-its in there or something? (laughs) So I noticed that they're always getting incapacitated by tractor beams. I'm wondering if there's like an anti-tractor beam tech. Like Beta would buy all of it. I have no doubt. (laughs) I'm sure. So the Rangers realized the source of the tractor beam is the Cheyenne, a battle cruiser that went missing months ago. Uh Uh-oh. I assume that this is the Black Hole Gang reveal. As I was watching the episode, I was like, this is where they show up. So uh, they commandeered the Cheyenne, apparently. But the reason I said, "Uh uh-oh, is because a ship that size requires a pretty large crew. And if they're not accounted for in this episode, then I think this episode might have a really dark subtext. Is that deliberate, Cy? I don't know what dark subtext you could be saying, R.D. They killed the crew and took over ship oh you mean like because they stole the ship yeah uh, we couldn't say that explicitly obviously look it's like let's okay i don't know what the rating is of your show it's mature <laughs> but it's pretty clear in the episode that goose and daisy omega they basically fuck in this episode but we can't actually say that so don't they like go they go into daisy's chamber 
Oh, and, yeah. And we fade to black at some point. I mean, you'll get to that later on. Oh, I will get to it. <laughs> so, yeah, there's still some things we couldn't actually talk about explicitly. We can now. <laughs> One of which is that, yes, the black hole gang killed everybody on the ship. Yes. That was intentional. All right. They're badasses, the black hole gang, man. Yeah. Well, all of them except for Macross. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? That was one of those, like, okay, so part of the thing was I wanted to bring some sex appeal to the Galaxy Rangers, maybe because I was, like, a horny 21-year-old at the time or whatever. <laughs> but also I knew, like, okay, I have a chance. I, I have to come up with new hooks for episodes that we haven't done before. And I want to come up with new characters, which is why I came up with Daisy Omega and Rusty, the female robot. But I knew it would be easier to sell to Bob if I used as much stuff that was already established, most of which he created. So that's why you've got Macross and the Black Hole Gang, because they were already established. And Rusty and the boys, you've got Mogul, the Sorcerer, and Lair. Again, those were all pre-established. Thing. So if I could just put a new plot hook and maybe sneak in a new character, but it was still a bunch of stuff that was already canon in the show, I knew I'd have an easier chance of selling it because it'd be like, okay, we don't have to design a bunch of stuff. We're only designing like one new character and I'm using the pre-existing mythology like the Black Hole Gang or Mogul the Sorcerer. And those little goofy characters, the the fake Ewoks, whatever they were called. Um, so that's one of the reasons you get Macross, who no nobody liked Zozo and nobody liked Macross. <laughs> those were two characters. <laughs> yeah, I hate Macross. That is absolutely. Accurate. We were forced to use that nobody liked, if I remember correctly. I mean, obviously Robert Mandel liked them all because he created all the main characters, but. Nobody liked those characters. Macross is useful. He's like the villain you love to hate. But he's a scrub. I always thought, who's the guy with the... I always, the villain I love to hate was the bird-headed guy. Who was the bird-headed guy? That's Captain Kidd. Captain, Captain Kidd, Kidd was a fun bad guy. Macross, nobody cares about Macross. Nah. You just plug him in. Yeah. Generic bad guy, we'll use Macross. Again, that's one less character that... Our amazing character designer, Ed Lee, didn't have to design. So, <laughs> My question is, though, why did the Black Hole Gang always follow this guy? He was, he was <laughs> He's getting punked by a girl all day because she's really bad. So, <laughs> and bullied by Goose every chance he shows up. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Goose manhandles him all the time. <laughs> he does. <laughs> So, uh, as they're forced to dock via tractor field, a female with an Irish brogue comes over the comms and welcomes them. She seems amused that the Galaxy Rangers have gone renegade. Once aboard, the Rangers team is greeted by a bunch of black hole gang dudes, led by the toga-wearing McPossum, <laughs> who challenges them all to a quick draw. Goose, enraged upon seeing McDouche and his one titty, reaches for his sidearms. <laughs> But Zachary orders him not to engage. Then, because Zach went all pacifist for some unknown reason, Goose gets shot and killed. And the episode ends. Hey, wait a minute. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> now, Macross orders his guys to stun them, and the entire greeting party opens fire on the Rangers. And misses? 
Clearly all the practice at the Mr. Magoo shooting range has not served them well. <laughs> the rangers take the five solid seconds of broad misses as their cue and spring into action, drawing their weapons. Did you choreograph the fight scenes? No, like I said, I didn't board this episode. Let's see. I wrote, um, okay, I'll tell you what I wrote. I I'm literally going to tell you. The outlaw band charged the rangers, blasting their weapons, yelling and howling in rage. Zack blocks laser bolts with his bionic arm, then engages in a fist fight with an outlaw. Nico is grabbed by a huge drooling bruiser, but knocks his sen him senseless with a series of vicious karate kicks. Doc yeah. is backed into a wall and dodges a few laser bolts before finally subduing his opponent with a loose portion of power cable. Another hulking outlaw charges at Zozo, who promptly flips him in the air. The outlaw slams into Waldo's force field and collapses in a spark of colored light. Meanwhile, Goose and Macross circle each other like two deadly panthers on the prowl. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what ended up in the episode, but I wrote a bunch of action specific. I'll tell you what ended up in the episode. None of that. It wasn't even anywhere near that good. Yeah, well, look, None you know, like I said, I didn't board this episode, so I didn't get a chance to protect my uh, overambitious screenwriting. That fight scene was not quite as good. Oh, well. Not at all, man. Zack has never blocked anything with his hand. Those are the last one with bionic arm ever. Ever. Oh, what a tragedy. Scratches his butt mostly. Well, he does pick up Macross with one arm. He picks him up with the bionic arm. That's true. And, like, holds him like a kitten, right? That's right. He holds him like his little kitten. Yes. Macross tucks his legs in. What I wrote is, uh, Nico goes on a kicking spree. Doc has a shotgun, but it immediately gets shot out of his hands. He narrowly avoids two shots before reaching in his back pocket and pulling out a lasso. Yeah. Hey, I'm not judging. He made it work. <laughs> he somehow loops bug-eyed gunslinger's legs and pulls his feet out from under him. Without getting shot. Zozo Sanchez and Waldo Rivera pull their patented monkey flip to force field ring maneuver, which I think is stock footage at this point. Yeah, there you go. Uh, meanwhile, Gooseman is guns akimbo, just wrecking red shirts. Until McDunscap says, I don't need a blaster to defeat you, Gooseman. So Gooseman <laughs> holsters his death dealers. McCross telegraphs a right cross from a mile away, which Goose easily blocks. Then he pulls McCross into a monkey flip of his own, sending the toga-clad twit into the wall headfirst. And lastly, he grabs Spartacus by the ankles and throws him at his unconscious red shirts. Really nice hand-to-hand -hand animation, I must say. There you go. Like I said, I don't know if this was the A-team, but <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Either way, I'm happy with the way it looked. Yours. Macross, being a sore loser and, you know, sore, pulls his gun on the rangers, but an Irish-tinged voice from a platform sitting at least 50 feet above shouts, That's enough! It's the same female voice we heard over comms earlier. It's also Audra's voice and Annie's voice from Chained and Mistwalker. Oh yeah, I'm sure there's probably like two women who did all the female voices on the show. <laughs> yeah. But she's a lady we haven't seen before. Redhead, cloaked, and all cowgirled up. She pays the rangers a compliment and then jumps from the platform. Zozo and Waldo freak out, pointing out that a leap from that height is certain death. But not for Ginger. She activates <laughs> the rockets built into her boots right before hitting the ground. Stylish? Yes. Dramatic? Also yes. <laughs> Uh, hell yes. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Oh, hell yes. Daisy right. Omega is cool. She introduces herself as Daisy Omega. Gooseman says he's heard of her, and Nico says mockingly, Dude, I've heard of Daisy Omega. Shut up. 
Zachary says that they're tired of doing all the dirty work while Beta took all the credit. Also known as having a job. (laughs) (laughs) And Nico says they've come to join the Black Hole Gang. Now, Macross may have uh, many turd-like tendencies, but his BS detector is on point. (laughs) He quickly tells Daisy, don't trust them. (laughs) And then ramps up the creep factor with an unwanted shoulder rub while claiming Daisy as his favorite gal. (laughs) Instead of fighting you, we came to join your group. Don't trust them. Daisy is a trap. And I wouldn't want anything to happen to my favorite gal. Daisy replies with an elbow to his ribs, proclaiming that she's a free agent, while simultaneously shooting Gooseman the look. (laughs) Gooseman acknowledges her interest and reciprocates with a knowing glance and a smirk. The camera slowly pans down to reveal that there is suddenly a telekinetic force field around Goose's crotch. How'd that get there? (laughs) (laughs) That actually is not true for your listeners, but I think that's a good idea. That's a good concept, RD. That's where he's keeping his badge. That's right. Because, you know, Nico is the Rangers ho. (laughs) (laughs) Rangers ho! We said that, right? Didn't we make this innuendo at one point? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, yes, we did. We talked about it. Well, this here's way. a tiny segue. So I told you when we did the boards before we sent them to Japan, we'd have to write a little description underneath, usually just like extreme close-up, backlit explosions, laser blasts, or whatever, for uh, sent to Japan. So there was a storyboard artist who was sort of a surly dude who was talented but got on the boss's nerves, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. So he kept getting demoted. And finally, he was demoted to where his job was to type up those little descriptions underneath the storyboards. And it was sort of a uh, thankless job. It's just, you know, extreme close-up, glowing light, explode. It was just doing this. It's a very sort of uh, dull grinding job so what happened is as the show kept as once we got through the first half and we're sort of charging through he was bored out of his mind very creative guy so he started writing extra little things on these descriptions i think basically to see if anybody would catch them or if they would get sent to japan (laughs) so so he would start going off into these long, strange monologues about things and commenting on the Galaxy Rangers. And I remember, I think it's in the episode Marshmallow Trees, Nico was technically uh, supposedly the Galaxy Rangers science officer, the resident scientist of the Galaxy Rangers. And uh, in Marshmallow Trees, I believe Nico gives an entirely scientifically inaccurate explanation of photosynthesis. And uh, I don't want to pick on anybody, but it was, you know, whoever, whoever wrote that explanation clearly had no clue what they were talking about. And uh, this guy who was writing up the uh, descriptions for Japan was a very smart guy. And he wrote underneath, you know, uh, by the way, uh, Nico's explanation of photosynthesis is entirely inaccurate. This is not how photosynthesis actually works. It starts to make you wonder, maybe Nico doesn't know as much about science as she claims. (laughs) What actually is her position on the Galaxy Rangers? Oh, no. And I think at that point, that was one that he finally got busted on. And 
I don't know. I know he was severely reprimanded. I don't know if that he. I don't know that if he got fired, but I know that he was severely reprimanded. And of course, he was reprimanded because he was actually pointing out the fact that the photosynthesis sequence was, you know, terribly written, and and obviously the person who wrote it hadn't done their research or whatever. So uh, it was oh, pretty funny. Man. But anyhow, I remember that was one of the many questions about Nico, what Nico's real place on the Galaxy Rangers was. You know her place. Now I remember what you're saying, Jay. Uh-huh. I think it was Rabbi Bob that said uh, maybe she had like a background <laughs> before becoming a ranger. Yeah, right. She had a background, all Because right. she's on Mars and she knows this bird pimp guy and starts yeah, no chatting kidding. them up. That's what I'm saying. See, that would have been much more interesting. That's why I came up with Daisy Omega, because I thought Nico was such a boring, she was just like the generic girl in the group. I described nah, her as a psychic ninja chick. Just keeping it all on down low. I wanted to spice things up. Didn't we all like, uh, who was the uh, heart of Tarkon? Maya. Maya. Didn't we all like Maya better? Come on. Nico was sort of dull, so. Yeah. Nico shoots her the hate eyes as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man, exactly. Nico's job is it. just to be jealous of every other female. <laughs> I know. Absolutely. And she ended up kind of like hanging out with Doc. I guess, yeah. Again, these episodes were aired so out of order that I don't remember if there were any crazy character arcs or anything. And I think it was just whatever somebody came up with at the time and then was it was instantly forgot about in the next episode <laughs> daisy says she'd like to discuss something sexy in a different room oh yeah but only invites shane gooseman to the meeting like, hey. <laughs> nico is infuriated as goose walks away with the bad girl temptress beyond the range of a telekinetic chastity belt <laughs> <laughs> i just noticed in my original script it says cut to interior daisy's chamber which I thought. Wow. <laughs> that is. Not an wow. office, not a room, not a control room or command center. Her Daisy. Shame. I said, uh, looks like Gooseman is going to take one for the team. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Thirsty McCross is left feeling bitter and takes it out on Doc, hemming him up by the collar. Zack comes to Doc's defense and picks McCross up by the toga belt. This would have been an atomic wedgie moment if he were wearing underwear. Ah, there you go. Sanchez does a little gloating. Meanwhile, in Daisy's recreational lounge, she begins to shed her clothes, dropping her cape and hat on a very comfy-looking sofa. She tells Gooseman how she stole the battle cruiser from the Space Navy. Then she reaches for his hand. Like, that is bananas. This is a kid's show, and she's totally <laughs> propositioning him. I know. It's my fault. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Gooseman... <laughs> Jay with the wow wow guitar. <laughs> uh, where was I? Gooseman, fool that he is, pulls away. He totally has a hall pass considering their mission, but no. Instead, he gets all judgy, acting disappointed and saying that Daisy has a reputation for being a good gal. I felt like he blew his cover right there. Dude, he knew better, man. Uh, hello, you're supposed to be a renegade, Gooseman. He's faking the funk, man. You know, I originally, I don't think it's in the final episode, but. I think I originally said something about that she had been betrayed by some crooked, basically by like dirty cops, by some dirty rangers or law enforcement. And that's why she sort of went off on her own. I don't think that's in the final episode, but I think that was that was in the original script. Cool. That could have been something to save for later for her. That would be good. 
Yeah, a good flashback episode. I don't know how many episodes she pops up in. There's a couple after this. But again, I don't know how this ended up running in the first 25 episodes because this was a late episode in the show. So that's why there wasn't a lot more done with Daisy Omega. She just sort of shows up in these Western-themed episodes. I think she's in, like, you know, West Ride and some of those shows. But we didn't really do much with her because this was towards the tail end of the series when this was actually done. But uh, somehow it ended up running early. Did you do her character design as well, since you could do art? No, that was Ed Lee. No, Ed Lee, who was the main character designer. But I loved, he did a great job. She totally looks like a sort of female Clint Eastwood. He leaned into the Western thing really well. I thought it was cool. Definitely. He did, man. She had spurs. Yes, exactly. Spurs that, uh, don't they? Chaps, the whole nine. Yeah, the whole thing. I I actually have one of the only Galaxy Ranger artifacts I still have. I have an original cell uh, of Daisy Omega. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, again, I don't remember. I think there was a giant box. At some point, maybe Japan sent us back a bunch of animation cells or something. I don't remember where I got it, but that's the only Rangers thing I still own is I have a framed, original, painted. And this is pre-computer animation, so it's actually a hand-painted, hand-drawn cell of the lovely Daisy Omega. So That's so cool. Let's see. So in response, Daisy tells him she's chaotic neutral. Out for self, in other words. Now, having learned a little more about Daisy, it occurred to me that she may have given Macross a little play, which would explain his attempt earlier to pee a circle around her. (laughs) (laughs) Unsuccessful though it was. Anyhow, cut to a leisure cruise space liner. Wait, RD, are are we jumping across the fact that she takes his hand and we fade to black? Did she manage to get his hand? I thought they cut away before that. Like, because she tried to take his hand and he pulled away. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know. I I think they definitely did something. At least that's what I was trying to write. I don't know what the final episode is. Maybe they said, oh, Goose can't, like, get involved with uh, somebody who's a lawbreaker, so. Well, there's there's a bit of a time jump, and you never saw Goose leave the room, so. (laughs) Yeah. It's assumed. They definitely did some ranger fucking. Renegade ranger action. (laughs) Some ranger on outlaw action. Renegade riding. Yeah, exactly. Cut to a leisure cruise space liner. It's filled with unsuspecting well-to-do, swimming, cavorting, and hanging out poolside. Suddenly, a ship that looks like a batarang pulls up beside the space liner and extends a boarding tube. A huge hole is blown in the wall beside the pool as civilians freeze with fear. How convenient. McThirsty barges in, telling them not to move. He's flanked by the renegade rangers. A couple of people try to make a run for it, but are quickly wrangled by Galaxy Rangers pointing guns in their faces. Uh, There's a little orb floating around the crime scene. It turns out to be Daisy's eye in the sky as she watches her minions in action safely from the Cheyenne. McCross yanks jewelry from a woman and holds it up to the orb in an attempt to impress Daisy. See that, Miss Daisy? Aye, and a sweet sight it is. Zack and Nico mumble to each other. Zack says, did he just offer to give Daisy a pearl necklace? Nico snorts. <laughs> None of this is actually in the episode, R.D. <laughs> no, oh, it's not. Please. <laughs> <laughs> meanwhile, <laughs> meanwhile, Macross approaches a lady alien and demands her jewelry. But she refuses, saying they're wedding rings. 
Macross gets into a tug of war with her, prompting her husband to come to her defense. He shoulder charges Macross, knocking him into the pool. The couple then takes off running. Green Mullet Dude takes aim at them. Gooseman quickly knocks the laser pistol from his hand. Eyeball Daisy asks herself what he's doing. Goose picks up the pistol and proceeds to sharpshoot the lady's stiletto heel and her hubby's suspenders. She falls flat on her face, and his pants drop and he hits the ground as well, leaving them both alive but humiliated. Props to her for being able to run in that footwear in the first place. <laughs> All ladies got skills. Wow! What a shot! Now everybody cooperate. Such grace. Such finesse. You made a wise choice teaming with that ranger, Daisy. Daisy is beside herself with joy over her new sharpshooting, ruggedly handsome recruit. So much so that she takes a sharpie and writes Shane on her back massager. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness gracious. You seem to have been so (laughs) entranced by the Daisy Omega-Shane Gooseman relationship that you're extrapolating things that aren't actually in the episode. I'm a shipper. What can I say? It's not a back massage. It's a thermal gun. There you go. Thank you. Exactly. No, uh, I may have been overthinking things, but I had a concern at this point. When the Batarang departs, that's going to leave a gaping hole in the side of the, the space liner. Will the Galaxy Rangers be charged as accessories to mass murder? <laughs> accessories to murder, that's right. Back at the battle cruiser, Daisy praises the Renegade Rangers on a successful heist. McFlounder says, big deal. She tells him to shut it because they passed her test. And, to drive it home, she takes a swipe at him for getting knocked into the pool. He gets annoyed when he sees Zozo laughing. What are you laughing at? You, liver lips! It's <laughs> a good Zozo, there you go. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, were you a Jerky Boys fan? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think that is a Jerky Boys uh, uh, homage. That's right. I, I picked up on that right away. Yes, exactly. Uh, Macross leaves the room while mumbling a vague threat. You'll be sorry. You all will. He was right, actually. <laughs> In retrospect. <laughs> Daisy says she's got a new job for the Rangers. She reaches behind Goose and pushes a button. Gooseman says, Wrong button! Wrong button! <laughs> She directs their attention to a, another bit of CGI on the monitor. It appears to be floor plans. Gooseman lackadaisically says, What is it, another liner? And Zachary, having taken a good look at the plans, says, Long shot? It's impossible. Good, very good, Jerry Orbach as Zach. That's Thank good. You. Thank you. What I do is I often drop audio clips from the show, you know, into our podcast. So if I don't do a good impression, I drop the actual line. <laughs> you can just put the actual line in. Maybe I won't this time. No, you can drop it in, and you can leave me saying, wow, that's a great impression, R.D., <laughs> that you did. That's even better. Uh, I like that. I'm going to cut out you saying that just now. <laughs> uh, long shot, it's impossible. Uh, not with my own battlecruiser, it isn't. And she starts laughing. <laughs> As she laughs, Gooseman wears the most oh shit expression I've ever seen on him. <laughs> Cut to Doc and Nico walking down a corridor. Doc says he's worried about Daisy getting the experimental tech and weapons contained in Longshot. He closes with, I just hope Goose is keeping Daisy busy. Oh yeah, hey now. Chicka, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but especially with the way this episode is animated, there's a crazy amount of sexual tension. <laughs> with that in mind, just about any dialogue sounds dirty. That's exactly what I was going for. It's great. <laughs> The chaps alone, man, were very interesting. But worry not, we will press on. Much like Daisy wants to press herself on Goose. Hey now. <laughs> um, 
Doc and Nico arrive at the comm panel and Doc activates his flask. Tripwire jumps into the panel. Cut to Daisy's room. Gooseman leans against the console in the background and watches her work on a computer with her back to him. The console starts to make noise as Doc's program begins infiltrating it. Goose steps in front of the screen to cover the red flashing light caused by the supposedly stealthy program. <laughs> but the noise continues. Daisy gets up asking what that noise is. What's that noise? But Gooseman cleverly distracts her by turning on some music and asking her to dance. Oh yeah. So dance, flirty banter dance. Goose, I just can't figure you out. I always keep them guessing. Back at the comm panel, Tripwire returns to Doc. Hurry up, Tripwire! It's all yours, boss! Doc begins transmitting a message to Beta, warning about the planned longshot attack as the camera begins to pull back. The widening frame reveals McWeasel, spying on Doc and Nico. He growls angrily to himself. Cut to Daisy standing on her 50-foot-high platform with Goose at her side. She addresses the Black Hole Gang with a pre-heist pep talk. <laughs> As you do occasionally yeah. when you're preparing a big job. Among the minions is a furious McWeasel. He says, I'll give the Rangers a long shot. That's nice pun work, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> he pulls a gun and fires at Gooseman, our favorite cuckologist. What? Because he's cuckolding. Macross? I know, I know. No, but there's no. Macross and Daisy aren't doing anything. Macross is just delusional. Okay. Daisy sees it coming and throws herself in front of Goose, shielding him from the blast, but she's injured. It looks bad as she dramatically falls unconscious into Goose's arms. Daisy was making a play. She's like, I got you, my dude. (laughs) (laughs) Zack realizes what's happening and starts to charge McDingleberry, but he's stopped by a necklace dude with a rifle. Pop goes McWeasel again. This time he destroys the platform from under Goose and Daisy and they plummet toward the ground. Nico, not to be outdone by Daisy's sacrifice, elbows the armed redshirt beside her and runs toward a falling Gooseman while badging up. She catches them both with a telekinetic bubble and begins to slowly lower them to the ground. Uh, The animation for Nico here is amazing. Striking. So the redshirt recovers and shoots Nico in the back. You get a nice close-up of Zack's eyebrows as he shouts, Nico! (laughs) She falls to the ground but maintains the TK bubble determined to save Goose and Daisy before losing consciousness. Badass. As soon as they touch the ground, Goose runs over to a barely conscious Nico. Her expression shows a perfect blend of relief and unspoken affection. Goose gets to his feet and does an angry dramatic point, saying, Macross, you're history. Smirking, Macross tells Gooseman that the longshot mission is off, and he hints that he's aware of Beta being prepared for the attack. Doc, who has no poker face, Immediately says, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Daisy, now fully recovered, starts yelling at Macross, but he says he and the boys are just saving their backs, and he reveals that the Rangers played her. He also looks especially satisfied when saying, I told you so. I told you, but you didn't listen, did you, Daisy? Now it's my turn to call the shots, and my plans don't include you. Cut to the least feasible part of this sci-fi space cowboy with superpowers adventure. <laughs> Macross let them live? Ranger 1 is ejected from the Cheyenne with the tractor beam. Aboard is the Ranger's team, Zozo, Waldo, and Daisy Omega. Plot twist. So, you're gonna get rid of your enemies in their own ship. Yeah. 
again, there's only so many new vehicles and new things you can design. So, like I said, whenever I realized whatever I could reuse that was already done, I would have a better chance of uh, getting this episode uh, sold to uh, Robert Mandel. So, as a lowly storyboard artist trying to advance to the writer ranks, anything we could reuse was uh, was good. So, cool. I always thought it was interesting that they had to, you notice the artist had to draw it in a way where they had to cram everybody into the ship. Yeah. Because normally you've only got consoles for the Rangers, but they've got everybody crammed into that ship. Right, yeah. <laughs> that was new, actually, having everybody in that one spot. Yeah, I felt bad for the, I was like, oh, man, because you, you, sometimes you just don't think of these things. Like, oh, yeah, somebody's, they're going to have to cram them all in there somehow, so... They're all tied up, and the ship is being pushed into the burning asteroid field. Zack says if they can't get control of the ship, they'll be pulverized. I looked into this. His theory checks out. <laughs> <laughs> this is where the creative typo comes in, uh -huh. because somebody says, say hello to the burning nebula or whatever, and Doc is supposed to have sort of a funny line where he says, hello, burning nebula. But they mix it up. Somebody uses, one of them says burning stone, and then Doc says burning. It's a, they don't match the things. Oh. Somehow there's a, like, if you watch mm. the episode, I no, just noticed it when I was watching it, just like, well, wait a minute. That's not right. Somebody screwed up. I'm going to play that audio clip. Okay. Let's go. Ah, say goodbye to the black hole gang, Rangers, and say hello to the burning stone. Hello, burning nebula. So, Daisy and Goose? who are tied back-to-back, -back, seem to have a plan. By the way, I noticed that everybody is still armed, plus the Rangers are still wearing their badges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's like one of those, like, they're not going to redraw, you know. They probably already had some animation of them sitting around or whatever, you know. Yes. It's also like, those are those little details that if it was live action, obviously an actor would say, hey, I shouldn't have my gun because they would have taken my gun. Right, right. But because it's a cartoon and there's some poor guy in a cubicle in uh, Tokyo drawing this stuff at three in the morning, it's like, he just just draw it on model. Just what do the characters look like? Draw it. That's why that stuff happens in animation all the time. I figured Macross was just really playing things fast and loose. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bother to take their guns. There's no way they can escape. Yep. I mean, guns won't get them out of the situation anyway, so. But Daisy's boot will. Her spurs, to be exact. Yes. Come on. That's cool. That was cool. Yeah. That was cool. She puts the spur in contact with the rope. Then she tells Goose to push her button. <laughs> I mean... She makes him touch the spot that gets her gadget going. <laughs> so the spur starts spinning, becoming a mini buzzsaw. It cuts through the rope like butter. Now they're all free and make for the ship's control center. As Zachary takes the co-pilot seat, Goose tells him, main power up, deflector up. After Ranger 1 takes a couple of hits, Zachary determines that there's not enough power. He jumps out of his chair and has Nico take his place. He asks her to add her psychic shield to the one around the ship. She gives it a try, but her charge is too low. Zack says, then how about some Series 5 backup? At this point, all four Rangers emit a golden aura. But so do Zozo and Waldo? Yeah, exactly. Is there something we don't know about them? Do they have like some Series 5 tech going on? Yeah, no, that's just a mistake. That's, again, these poor animators in Japan at 
four in the morning. Gotcha. Drinking bad coffee, drawing like, oh. It's not coffee sucking. I guess everybody powers up, so put the glow on there. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. Okay. It was only supposed to be the Rangers, but, you know. With the additional implant power, Nico is able to boost Ranger 1's shield, allowing them to safely navigate the burning asteroid field. However, in all the confusion that comes with trying to not die in a ball of fire, Daisy manages to steal a spacesuit and sneak out of the ship. Goose runs out to confront her. He tries to arrest her, but she quick draws and disarms him, melting his sidearm. This is the first quick draw Gooseman has lost. That's right. That's true. He lost it to Daisy Omega, man, because she's a badass. Yep. She's still goo-goo for him, though, and asks him to leave with her. Come with me now. Together we could have endless worlds to explore. I like you, Daisy, but if you run, you'll be an outlaw for the rest of your life, not my style. I... I... Blast you, Shane. But Goose can't see himself with an outlaw for a girlfriend. <laughs> Cut to Nico with an approving look. She <laughs> she announces that she's almost out of power and then passes out. Conveniently passes out. The shield drops and Ranger One immediately takes a hit, causing Goose and Daisy to tumble. Goose catches himself on a hyper shunt. I think that's called a hyper shunt. While Daisy uses the spacesuit's built-in jetpack to zip away from justice. She tells Gooseman they'll meet again and vows to have the upper hand next time. And Gooseman says, upper hand? Didn't you just escape death thrice? And the law once? <laughs> Did I say Gooseman said that? No, that was my inner monologue escaping. Cut to the cockpit of Ranger 1. Zozo Sanchez is jumping for joy and Zack praises an exhausted Nico. Suddenly Doc says they've made contact with a battlecruiser. It's handlebars! <laughs> He's finally redeemed himself. I'm getting something on the screen, guys! Commander? Come in, Galaxy Rangers! We're treated to a flashback that illustrates why he can now shed the punk stash moniker. When they didn't show up for the longshot ambush, he went to the source of their transmission and found the Cheyenne, which opened fire right away. After a short battle with a much smaller battlecruiser, Walsh disabled and captured the Cheyenne. So now we're back to our vidcom exchange in present time. Not to be one-upped by Handlebar's shrewdness and heroism, Zachary, Doc, Zozo, and Waldo Rivera start listing reasons that the Renegade Rangers operation was successful. Handlebars then welcomes the team back to the good side. Welcome back, Galaxy Rangers! Yes, yes sir! Thus ending their mission as Renegades. And... Dun, 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 dun. Or, no, what's the end title song? You guys are experts. It's a different song. Actually, I didn't stay for the credits. <laughs> <laughs> Rangers are forever? Rangers are yeah. forever. That's forever. right, That's exactly. You know, this is sort of like the Donnie Brasco of Galaxy Ranger episodes because yes, they go undercover, their cover's almost blown a few times. Who's Anne Heche? That's a good question. I Well, uh, Nico is the always suffering Anne Heche. Yeah. And uh, I guess Daisy Omega is Al Pacino. I don't know. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> a pinch or a punch? A punch. That's good. But there was always, I guess when I was a kid, there were always episodes of comic books where the hero is mysteriously become a bad guy. Yes. You know, why is Spider-Man robbing this bank? Or why is Superman teamed up with Lex Luthor? And then there would be some convoluted, crazy explanation. So... I think that was the real inspiration for this. Is like, okay, 
What if the Rangers were bad guys? Okay, that's cool. Now, how do we explain this? And then you get the plot. A lot of the time, they're imposters, which is that's what I thought true. this was going to be. Ah, there you go. Yes, there's the imposter trope. That's always true. There's always the imposters. That's right. But I like the undercover cop plot with Galaxy Rangers. Like I said, it was really just a flagrant attempt to get some sex appeal into the show. That was really what <laughs> that's really what it was all about. Success, dude. I find something to like in every episode, but I really genuinely enjoyed this from front to back. Same. Well, thank you. I, I think, you know, look, we lucked out because we got, if not the A team, the B team on it. So it, it's a good looking show. It's a good looking episode of the series. Yep. Yeah, I really like Daisy Omega's chaps. <laughs> <laughs> They, they were working for me. I was really thrilled when uh, I was probably bothering Ed Lee constantly because I was still boarding on the show at this point. I was probably bothering him constantly like, oh, where's what does Daisy Omega look like? Have you designed Daisy Omega yet? You slide him like a stripper picture? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I was really happy. I thought that he did a great job. I think she's got a really cool character design. So Yeah. It was yes, good. Yes. And she has like those Gooseman type eyebrows. Oh, yeah, they gave her the goose eyebrows. <laughs> they did. She's like a female version of Gooseman. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. I wanted to make somebody that was a... a uh, An equal. Yes, a good foil for him that was an equal. That's why she beats him on the fast draw. Mm -hmm. So it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, there was a character, I think, in the Super Troopers named something like... <sighs> Darkstar. Darkstar that was sort of supposed to be another sort of bad guy love interest for goose but i don't think they really did much with her so that's why i was sort of pushing this daisy omega character so dark star kept choosing the asshole boyfriend yeah. oh yeah that weird guy with the uh stingray with the new wave shades and the australian accent <laughs> yeah cyclops is australian brother oh yeah <laughs> uh, hilarious um, yeah, I don't know. Renegade Rangers, you know, I think it's pretty, I mean, I don't know if the episode's that great, but I, I think Daisy Omega's pretty great. I still like that character a lot. Like I said, I think we would have done more with her if this episode was earlier in the production order. But even though, like I said, it aired earlier, it was certainly in the back third of the produced episodes, at least certainly in writing and pre-production. So I know she pops up in a couple more shows, but not in any real substantial way. She just sort of became a good place or like, oh, we need an outlaw or a bad guy or somebody. Let's stick Daisy Omega in there. She never got really developed beyond this setup. It's unfortunate. You said you wrote the other episode before you wrote this one, right? Yes. Okay. 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 Yeah, there's an episode that is doesn't show up until the back part of the series called Rusty and the Boys where... Q-Ball invents a female robot that has got all the computer power of, like, Beta Mountain all in its circuits. So she's incredibly smart, and then she gets in some wacky plot with Mogul the Sorcerer and his idiot sidekick, Larry. <laughs> it's a much more of a comedy. It's, it's a comedy episode, but what it has in... in uh, and it was done by one of the crappy animation teams. But I think, again, the design of Rusty is pretty good. It's very sort of Metropolis-looking, you know, the female robot from Metropolis. And then it's got a... Uh, uh, and again, the whole point was to just get some more 
cool female characters into the show, you know, because in that episode, I think the 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 sorcerer's idiot sidekick uh, tries to do a love spell on Rusty the robot, and instead it backfires, and she falls in love with Doc. So she's like throwing herself at Doc through most of the episode and driving him crazy. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and uh, yeah, anyhow, it, it's it's funny. It was a comedy episode. And, you know, we were allowed to do a lot of those because, again, we were the tone of the show was really all over the map, which is sort of fun in a way, because, again, we talked about this before. All the other shows at that point were all like. It's the same story every week with just a slight variation. If it's all over the place, you don't get bored. Well, certainly we didn't get bored doing it. Um, again, we knew that this show would drive kids crazy, but because <laughs> they wouldn't know what they were getting from day to day. But it was certainly fun to do. Anyhow, those were my uh, attempts to ingest some female characters and some sex appeal into the Galaxy Rangers. So. Yeah, I think the timing of the show was like the perfect age for me because I I was an adolescent. So like I was too mature for G.I. Joe. That was already like a thing of the past. And, you know, like I still wanted to watch cartoons. I'm like, I wish they made cartoons for me. And turns out they did. Well, you know, that's funny because Robert Mandel said later on that the ratings for the show were actually pretty good, but the demographics were terrible for selling toys because the demographics were all like teenagers they were all like uh 12 to 16 year olds who are really not really buying action figures or toy vehicles anymore so i think that was one of the reasons the show was one season and out and, and could never get a good toy deal was because of that the demos skewed too old i'm pretty sure if toys had been released i would have gotten at least a couple just because i like the show want to get the action figure um but I didn't have a job for like five years from that point, so it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> you didn't have a, like a paper route, RD, or what are, what are jobs teenagers get? You work in McDonald's, or you have a paper route, or you... You work in your aunt's store or dentist's office. <laughs> a dentist's office sounds classy. Store, I, I understand that. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. It I, wasn't. I, after school, I got a job. I worked in this uh, shipping warehouse unloading avon products there you go after school every day a truck would pull up and there'd be like boxes of perfume that they would be shipping to women all across the area and we would unload the boxes from the truck that was my after school job as a uh, cool adolescent and teenager for a few years uh yeah i would well i i would i would buy galaxy rangers toys now i still you know it drives me crazy that those things were so hard to find and never got released in the U.S. Yep. They're crazy expensive. To think that, what were they, like seven bucks, five bucks or something like that uh, for an action figure? Well, they're really hard to find. The only reason I even know about them is because uh, one of the artists on the show, a guy named Dennis Woodyard, his father had uh, left uh, the States and moved to France. And Dennis went to visit his dad in Paris or whatever, and he suddenly came back uh, a few weeks later and said, "Hey guys, guess what I got? What guess what I found in France?" And he had a bunch of these Galaxy Ranger toys that nobody even knew about here. That's where they all ended up. France is like the Marshalls of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, apparently, that, that I think Marvel did a, uh, there were British Galaxy Ranger comic books also. Yeah. Uh-huh. That were just released in the UK. So the show obviously did okay overseas, at least in Europe. It, it was successful enough to have some licensing profile in Europe, but uh, not in the US, unfortunately. Yeah, it's a bummer. Um, well, thank you for coming on. Uh, is there anything you're working on you want to promote? Uh, no, I've got nothing to promote right now. I'm still in. I, I'm I'm working on a couple projects, but nothing that's airing anytime soon that's worth promoting. Okay, I mean, I don't think it matters. Nobody listens to us, so. Nah. <laughs> we have a couple funny. of listeners, right? Two. How did you guys track me down? I'm trying to remember. Was it through? I- it was through uh, Rabbi Bob. One day he sent me a DM with a link to your profile, and it just said, he lives. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's so funny. He's hilarious, too, man. Just... He's great. He's been a huge help, uh, instrumental in the podcast taking oh, the yeah. shape that it has. Well, I will say about Galaxy Rangers is I have a real soft spot for two reasons. One is that when you graduate college and you have no clue what you're actually going to do in the day-to-day, uh, I stumbled into this job literally like two weeks after I graduated. So I had this incredibly cool gig. And so all the sort of existential crisis that you go through when you graduate from college, I didn't have to do that until the year after Galaxy Ranger. <laughs> because I got nice. this amazing job right out of school. Everyone was like, what are you you're working on? You're animating, you're doing it. What? That's crazy. How did that happen? That's, I don't know. It was fantastic. Yeah, you got deferred for a bit. <laughs> yeah, and then these are my first professional writing jobs. These two episodes of Galaxy Rangers that I wrote. So thanks to Robert Mandel for actually starting my career. And it was funny. I worked in live action pretty much for the rest of my career until Kung Fu Panda. And it was funny sort of coming back and doing animation again, obviously on a much bigger A-list scale. But uh, it was just sort of funny. It was like, oh, my God, it's like full circle from Galaxy Rangers to Kung Fu Panda. (laughs) Yeah. So there's a lot of your writing geared towards like the martial arts and the mystical orient and stuff like that. Um, I don't want to say a lot. I was okay. So when I was a kid, I really liked all the old 70s Kung Fu movies. Mm-hmm. All the Shaw Brothers stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. The Obviously, Bruce Lee and then all the other stuff, uh, which was always dubbed into really bad English dubs. But we didn't know any better when we were kids. It was all cool. So I was into that stuff, and there was a movie theater when I was a kid uh, that showed all these movies, and I would go into the sort of dicey neighborhood to watch these double bills, these Shaw Brothers movies, and watch them on TV. And then in the 80s, I lived in New York, and uh, I started going to Chinatown to see, like, uh, like the John Woo movies and the Chow Yun Fat movies and sort of the Jackie Chan movies when Jackie Chan sort of started uh, emerging and doing really cool stuff again in the 80s. Um, so uh, just sort of a combo of the old Shaw Brother things and then the, the, the seeing the sort of Hong Kong re- renaissance in the 80s. Because in, in New York Chinatown in those days, there were three movie theaters and they all played double features. So you could just see tons of these movies back then. That's awesome. Uh, and that's really how I got into it. 
So uh, watching a kung fu flick in a Chinatown movie theater, in a Chinatown New York movie theater. Yes. Uh, I'm getting all kinds of vibes of The Last Dragon. Yes, <laughs> The Last Dragon, yes. Leroy. Was it loud like that? Are people throwing popcorn and shit like that? Yes, except The Last Dragon is really uh, in an urban movie theater. In Chinatown, okay. I'm, like, we're, we're, I'm like the only round eye. There's like me and my writing partner. It's all Chinese people. Uh, all these movies, luckily, were subtitled in English because Hong Kong was still in '80s a British colony. Mm. So it was a law that all their movies had to be—they're all shot in Chinese, Cantonese—but they all had to have English subtitles. So, the, so you could watch if you didn't speak Chinese, you could still understand the movie. Uh, no, the big thing was that the Chinatown movie theaters—they didn't have popcorn; they had seaweed snacks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> awesome and there are always cats walking around the movie theater to kill the mice so that was the... <laughs> <laughs> nice uh but i saw all the like i saw the killer and and uh, oh, good stuff. police store all the jackie chan movies all the classic john woo giant fat movies saw them and they were coming out in chinatown just a few weeks after they premiered in hong kong because it was a big market, that, that New York Chinatown. That's awesome, man. And at that height, it supported three... And the theaters were all within a few blocks of each other. But there were like three theaters. So I, we just... I just stumbled into this uh, with my friend Ethan, who became my writing partner. And we just would like see these movies constantly. And it was just a blast, you know? Yeah. Because it was something new. It was something cool that like... My God, nobody had discovered it. And I will say that... Speaking of Bulletproof Monk and then later uh, Kung Fu Panda, it's funny because I was sort of, again, my writing partner, Ethan Reef, and I were sort of, we were sort of ahead of the game on these movies. And so when we came to Hollywood, we were trying to tell people how cool these movies are and everybody just thought we were crazy. And then when they started, when Chiang Fat came over here and John Woo and they started making these movies, we sort of felt like, oh, well, that thing sort of passed us by. And then in a way, I feel like we got, we were able to sort of get on the last gasp, uh, which was sort of Bulletproof Monk, and then uh, the last, last gasp, which was really Kung Fu Panda. So These things happen in waves. No, it's true, but if you think about, like, we were seeing these movies in 1986. Yeah. Kung Fu Panda comes out, I think, in, what, 2008, something like that? Sounds right. So it was really the last, like, version of those movies. But I'm really happy that I was able to work on something in that genre before. Because that wave came, and then it sort of went away. Yeah. You know, and I was always, we were frustrated, like, oh, man, we were there first. We were the first round eyes in that Chinatown movie theater. <laughs> <White> <laughs> <laughs> yes, we were the first Guaylos in the Chinatown movie theater. And everybody thought we were crazy. So I was really happy <laughs> to work on Bulletproof Monk and, uh, and and especially Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, that's excellent. All right, you guys ready to close this episode out? Rangers so, ho. Rangers <laughs> ho. <laughs> okay, listener, that was Renegade Rangers. And next episode, we're going to be doing episode, oh, no. No, we're not doing episode 25. We're doing episode 22. I have to find out what that is. Episode 22 is Showtime. Showtime. That was it. Thank you. Tune in next time. Check us out on Twitter. We're at Galaxy underscore Rangers. 
We're also on Apple Podcast, the artist formerly known as iTunes. Subscribe, rate, review us. We'll hook you up with a genuine Cyvorus hentai security system. <laughs> Too much of a commitment? Fine. Just do one or two of those things, but then we'll only give you a couple of pieces of calamari. You know, because squids also have tentacles. Visit our website, series6podcast.com, the number six. See us on Facebook and YouTube now. Links, as always, in the show notes. Send us feedback. You can email us at galaxyrangers at email.com. Galaxyrangers, no space, at email. Not Gmail, E. Because whenever Daisy's around, Gooseman should make sure his drink isn't spiked with ecstasy. <laughs> We've been your hosts. I'm RD. I'm Jay. And I'm Cyvorus. And two-thirds of us will see you next time. Disengage your freaking hyperdrives. Bye. All right. You can stop recording now. Hilarious. Gooseman should make sure his drink isn't spiked with ecstasy. We've been your hosts. I'm RD. And I'm Jay. <laughs> your side. Uh, all right. I am I'm gonna turn off the recording now. No no uh, you have to say I'm Cyborus. Oh, I forgot to say it. But I'm not a regular on the show. You guys are the regulars. I don't That's have okay. to sign out. Well, you're our guest host. Okay. And I'm Cyborus. And two thirds <laughs> of us will see you next time. Disengage your freaking hyperdrives. Bye. <laughs> This is why you need that editing software. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. Hello, senor. I am the Frito Bandito. Oh, don't be afraid. I am not going to steal your Fritos corn chips. I buy them from you, okay? See, I give you silver. No silver? Okay, I give you gold. You know like gold neither? Hey, maybe you like better some lead, huh? Citizens, protect yourselves. Never buy one bag of crunchy Fritos corn chips. Always buy two and hide one for you. Who knows? There may be a Frito Bandito in your house. <laughs>